Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello. Dave. What's up? And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start every week with good things, so Craig, good me one thing. Oh, no, I can't. I have so many good things, guys. There's so many, it's hard to pick. But I think uh, I've been playing the heck out of this game recently uh, that I want to tell you guys about. It's called Undermine. If you guys remember the end of the uh, the Incredibles, there's the Underminer. Nothing like that. But... <laughs> The the Undermine is sort of a, a game that's uh, roguelike in the vein of like Binding of Isaac. So if you guys are familiar with that, it's that only it has a much better and family friendly friendly aesthetic to it. Well, more than Binding <laughs> of Isaac. It's more family friendly than Binding of Isaac. You don't say. <laughs> I, um, uh, what, this game sounds so familiar. How old is it? It just came out. Just came I've out never like heard of it. Now. Then I must be thinking of Crystal Mines or something. Fruit there, there's been is... a lot of is currently playing it on Twitch. Fruit Bats is a great streamer. He is. It's actually through him and and Co Carnage that I learned about this game. Um, but I was in a bit of a roguelike uh, thing from last week, since it was my last good thing. This is the other game I picked up at the same time, and I have put in a lot of hours so far uh, into this one little game. So, like I said, it's like Binding of Isaac, only not disgusting. Um... It's a lot of fun. Like, I it, I just can't stop playing. Like, I technically beat the game, as in there is a boss that you can beat at the end, but it's a roguelike, and you just keep going back to the dungeons. There's other stuff to do, even after you beat the main, like, story. I guess we'll call it story mode. Um, highly recommended. If, if you've ever been into that sort of game, but, like, Binding of Isaac turned you off, check this out. If you're into Binding of Isaac, check this out. Um, if you have no idea what these things are, maybe check them out can't can't guarantee you'll like it but uh i do it's pretty fun so like binding of isaac is a roguelike game and i understand that concept but binding of isaac also is is kind of similar to zelda one in the way that it's laid out it, would you say that that goes for this game as well or like the it... dungeons yeah it's 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 exactly the same sort of like dungeon okay. random dungeon layout um almost exactly like zelda one in that respect and it's called Infinite Miner or something? <laughs> Undermine. Undermine. Okay, that's what I was thinking of, Infinite Miner. Undermine. Yeah. Okay, Undermine. Got it. Undermine is say, the name of this game. It reminds me, in the way that I feel about the game, it reminds me of something like Spelunky, where um, I just want to keep playing, even though, like I said, I already beat through the main story. I just want to mm-hmm. do more. I want to like unlock more things and try to get better at the game. There's still new challenge modes and stuff that I haven't even considered doing. Well, I guess I considered a little bit, but I haven't tried it yet. Um, so yeah, it's it's really, really fun. Surprisingly fun. Like, I didn't think I would get into it that much, and I already sunk in 30 hours in the past week, which for me, I don't game very much recently because I have other things going on. 30 hours in the past week is pretty good for me. All right. Uh, so Dave, good a thing. Um, I'm going to do like a two-part good thing. Um, first thing is, uh, so you guys know the Mega Man series that started out on the Nintendo Entertainment System. 
And you know how like you go through all the robot master stages and like it's kind of fun and then you get to the Wily stages and it's really tough and gets really annoying and you can't like save your game at that point. Well, imagine doing a speed run that's all 46 of the robot masters without having to do any of the poopy Wily stages. Well, guess what? Such a thing exists. It's called 46 Robot Masters. It's a speedrun category that takes just the Robot Master stages from Mega Man's 1 through 6 on Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and, you know, it's it's not really too punishing. I mean, the category is <laughs> kind of competitive. Like, my time is over an hour longer than the world record, uh, but it's still a lot of fun just to get together and, and try it out. Uh, so the, that's Mega Man 46 Robot Masters. And um, I also really enjoy Maker's Mark 46 Bourbon. Uh, and they the two go great together. And those are my good things this week. <laughs> it's the same number. It's the same number, 46. My, my big question is, when are they going to also add 9 and 10? To, like, and then be? you'll have to find a different bourbon. I know, it's true. <laughs> well, and at that point, why not also add all six X games? There's six, oh, that's right? A, that's a different main character. We don't. I mean, it already takes me three hours to do forty-six Robot Masters. But oh, imagine you would be how so drunk by the end. Yeah, imagine how messed up. Like you won't be able to dash. You just won't. I uh, I'm I don't want to drink that much, honestly. I mean, like if it takes me three hours and. I'm having like six shots over the course of three hours. Like that's fine. That's that's about as much as I want to drink. All right. Uh, so my good thing this week is uh, I've been looking into Stardew Valley speedruns, and they they fit the exact aesthetic of speedrun that I really really enjoy, which is Two you have long. to you have to do way too much stuff, and it takes <laughs> forever, and it's dumb. And that's that is my personal brand of speedrun to watch. And so it's not dissimilar from Breath of the Wild, hundred percent. Uh, it's way shorter. Like the <laughs> the the mystery bundle category is like a little bit under four hours for the world record, but it's that's still like bad. you have to do so much stuff, and it takes forever, and it's dumb. It's extremely dumb, and I'm very very there for it. So. Yeah, that's what I've been enjoying this week. I didn't even know that Stardew Valley had an ending. I've never actually played the game. It's one of those games that I thoroughly enjoy watching other people play and will always tune into my favorite streamers playing Stardew Valley, but just never got into myself. Like, same with Animal Crossing. Uh, Stardew Valley does not have an ending. It has certain goals that you can meet, and the, the speedruns have, like, they end once you once you meet whatever goal it is. Um, but okay. you can you can always keep playing. There's always more more to do. You know, leave gamers and speedrunners to find a way to speedrun every single game in existence because they will. What was, oh my gosh! I just saw, I saw a YouTube video of uh, Wikipedia speedruns where like you have a start point. You yeah. have to you have to use like start at a certain article and find another target article in a given time and like. I guess it's hard to have categories for that and practice and stuff, but you can race people. You can be like, all right, let's start with Mars. So cool. Let's let's start with Mars and we'll try to find Squirrel. Like, we'll just, we'll have, you have to just click on links to go from Mars to Squirrel. And it's like you're not allowed to use, you're not allowed to use the, 
The see also links are banned. You're not allowed to use the see also. But this is make it challenging. Do you guys, <laughs> do you guys know the that um, GeoGuessr game that uses like Google Maps? Oh yeah. Review. People speed run that. Nice. What a world we're living in, guys. So Stardew Valley speedruns. Uh, Tori, good thing. Yes. So I found a productivity app that I think is going to work for me. Uh, you, you guys, you guys know because I've told you that I I don't feel like an organized person and that I don't feel like I have my act together. So uh, it's there's to do lists all over the place all the time for everything. Every project has a to do list. I found an app to help me keep track of those uh, that turns to do lists into a game. <laughs> It's called Habitica, and so you've got a little uh, sort of 8-bit character sprite, and you you put your to-do lists in here. It, it's got a category where you can make habits, so these are things that you want to do more often or you want to quit doing in your life that you can keep track of it in the game and get experience points for keeping track of it. Uh, or if it's a negative habit that you're trying to quit and you're honest about how often you do it, then you take damage from doing it. Uh, there's also a place where you can put in daily quests. So these are the things that you need to do every day, like take your vitamins or it, like if you wanted to start a daily workout, whatever. Um, and then there's another category where you can put in longer tasks, uh, like things that only have to be completed once and then they're done. Um and you get little experience points for them, and you can earn pets and mounts and armor and things. And so I've been using it this week, and I've been so productive, you guys. I'm very proud of myself. Nice. So awesome. I have a very important question. Can you speedrun it? <laughs> I bet you can. Someone out there has found a way, I'm sure. Speedrun life. Let's go. All right. Uh, so, Dave, you finished a book to not today. Last night, I think, is when you said you finished it. Uh, yeah, finished last night. Uh, so this week we're going to be talking about Alloy of Law by Brandon Sanderson. We're doing chapter 19, chapter 20, and the epilogy. Let's go. Chapter 19. <clears throat> What's this blood thing all of a sudden? Miles might be bluffing, or he might not be. It might be a trap. It might not be. Hey, there's Steris. Looks like Team Noxel's blasting off again! <laughs> Sploosh! Are you sure it wasn't Miles... a kaboom? Kaboom. Right, there you go. Uh, Miles will count to three and Tarson will shoot Marasi unless Wax shows himself. Are these the bullets from Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Wayne's hat is avenged. And that's the end of this week's book. Thanks for listening, everybody. The main conflict has been resolved. And we're done with Alloy of Law. We took down Tarson. We we can get the hat back. GG. That's the main storyline. Yep. Main conflict resolved. But what about the B plot? Star Trek always focuses Wayne on the B Wayne runs plot. off to do secret stuff. Miles is a sword. That sounds better than being a knife. Wax's help won't arrive quickly enough. Law. The first rule of the roughs. You can't be by yourself unless you're with someone else. And that's the end of chapter 19. So I have something for that last one, but let's let's work our way to it, please. All right, let's go in order. Uh, so there's this thing about how, you know, 
we've established pretty early in Final Empire that you can't alumant things that are lodged into people's skins. Like that's why the Lord Ruler had the bracers digging into his skin and and so forth like that. Like that's why Vin's earring wasn't able to be alumanted. Uh, but we're adding in a new aspect with like, oh, if it's if it's touching someone's blood, you also can't push or pull on it. Um, that's kind of sudden. I don't know how I, how I feel about this. This kind of like throws a throws a wrench in the Kelsier paperweight scene. There's a bullet wrench in it. Anybody what? else have a comment on that? <laughs> I don't know what's a bullet what, wrench. Yeah, what is a bullet wrench? Are, are you thinking of Rocky Wrench no. and Bullet Bill? Like if they had if they got together and sure and mute and no, I was just together? thinking about the bullets coming out of Miles. But go go on. No, no, no. Let's dig into this. <laughs> Tell us in detail. <laughs> What you think a bullet wrench is. It was the first thing that came to my mind. You're, it's my job to say the first thing that comes to my mind. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, all right, well, I, I know what I'm writing in the description of this episode now. <laughs> so uh, thank you for that, Craig. So, so question, I don't fully remember them describing this. Maybe... I remember the part where Miles. Oh, look who didn't read the chapters this week. No, I did. I did. Miles had the bullets inside of his body, and Wax, of course, couldn't push on them until he started, you know, spitting them out, and then he was able to push push on him. Correct? Yeah, it's the same thing. It doesn't really. It doesn't really um, have any impact on the action in this chapter. It's just mentioned on the side, like, oh, if it's touching your someone's blood, you can element it very easily. Okay. I honestly did not remember that. Uh, I th- like think that page. once blood isn't in your body anymore, it doesn't count as yours. That's gruesome. Then it's then it's community blood. It's just dead cells at that point, just so like it probably doesn't count. Dead cells. Any uh, metal that pierced the person's body or touched his blood was very difficult to affect with alamancy. The second paragraph of this week's chapters. I think yeah. it makes sense. For reasons. I mean, it makes just as much sense as the piercing the body clause, but I don't know that it needed to be there because we already have the established piercing the body clause. Right. Agreed. All right. Miles might be bluffing. So he's like, oh, I'm going to go kill the other kidnappees and your your wife-to-be Steris. But he might be bluffing, but he might not be. But uh, Wax can't take that chance even though he always wanted to take a chance. Uh, maybe the 4th Street Bridge just collapsed on its own. Did he eat an Oreo while he was looking at his cards? Is is that a Star Wars uh, Han Solo reference? Star uh, Wars nope, Solo? that's <laughs> Rounders. That is, that is the uh, Ed Norton, Matt Damon poker movie with John Malkovich, Rounders. Spoilers, that's his tell. Oreos? Yeah, Oreos. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen it, you totally should. It's it's a really really good movie. So, uh, anyways, Wax can't take that chance, so he's he's running off to save Starish and Co. And like, oh, it might be a trap. It might not be, but it's probably a trap, and it is a trap. And whatever, he finds Starish as well as the gunmaker Noxil, 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 and he throws a rifle at Noxil, and he's like, "Here, take this." And Noxil's like, "Well, I'm not a very good shot." And Wax is like, yeah, but can you swim? Of course I can swim. But And then he just still pushes Noxo like, out into the canal like, like, like 30 miles away. Just like him out the window. 
He he gets team rocketed out the window. Can you imagine this scene from his perspective? Like a dude shows up covered in blood, carrying guns, tosses him a gun, says two <laughs> things, and then zoop out the window. But he made sure he could swim. That's true. The important part is he knows how to swim. And then suddenly you're flying through the air into the canal or wherever they're near. Hence the sploosh. And let's see, Testeris is also here, and uh, she kind of gets off on this whole thing about her life being in danger and Wax saving her, but honestly, who wouldn't be? And he, like, also still pushes her onto a roof so she can run off to the co- police cops and tell them what's going on. Uh, so then we, Wax goes and meets back up with Marasi and Wayne and Miles. And Tarson has a gun up to Marasi's head. And uh, Miles is like, oh, I'm going to count to three if you don't come out of your hidey hole. And if I get to three, I'm going to have Tarson shoot Marasi. So Wayne puts up a speed bubble. And then Wax, Just like... Just in the nick of time. Yeah, Wax, like, he shoots a bullet off to the side, you know, and then as it reaches the edge of the speed bubble, it goes off on a weird trajectory. And, you know, he has to do this because he can't get a clear shot on Tarson because he's taking cover behind Marasi. So he has to, like, get a shot behind Marasi to shoot Tarson in the head. And since Tarson is both a coloss blood and a pewter arm, he has to basically shoot him in the face or or else Marasi's going to get it. So he shoots a bullet through the time bubble. It gets deflected, and then he has to line up this shot so that his second bullet hits the first bullet and redirects it into Tarson's head. Um, And, you know, it's a book, so it works. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man, just imagine. (laughs) He's a really good shot. That's fine. All right, I would like Um, to remind you that Wayne is in this scene, therefore it is a cartoon. Okay, which is why I am remembering the bullets from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the cartoon bullets. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, And then... Wayne's hat is avenged. Tarson is dead, and we get to get Wayne's hat back. Any question? How about that shot? Is the hat okay? Did it recover from its bullet wound? Um, it it's got a lot of blood on it. Uh, that and that we find out in chapter uh, later. And then Wayne runs off to do secret stuff. We don't know what it is yet. And so Miles charges at Marasi. And Wayne shoots him in the face repeatedly, but this does not deter Miles. And he just, he kind of gets Miles to be all, he's like, it's like the the classic trope of get the villain to keep like talking and being cocky to waste time. And of course, Marasi has a speed bubble up all this time to slow down time for the three of them while Wayne has time to bring the police force in. And he shows up with a hundred or so caparinos and uh, they're able to to capture Miles with the hundred or so caparinos. And we remember the first rule of the roughs, you can't be by yourself unless you're with someone else. And Mike had something to say about that. Miles brought like a hundred people with him. Miles did not forget this rule. Wayne, Wax just killed everybody. Yeah, he yeah, removed that, that all was part of the plan. Then Miles forgot. He didn't get an immediate replacement. Yeah, it's explicit like, that this was part of the plane. Kill everybody else. Flare to the plan, not but plane. This is this is Wax then being like, hey, stupid, why didn't you just not have me kill all your people? 
idiot. <laughs> like, why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? Yeah. I'm not sure if, if Wax is good on the, the whole wit. Coming up with, with witty lines. He's like, better he at the shooty, shooty, stabby, stabby part. That's true. He can shoot a bullet out of the sky. That's better. He can shoot a bullet into another bullet into a dude. It's true. It's like magic. But but he his best one-liner shooter. is, eat grenades, stupid. <laughs> so 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 what did you think did did you see this coming what the the ending of this chapter you mean the fact that marasi puts up a speed bubble to allow the constabulatory to arrive yeah uh, yeah obviously i know you, yeah, you basically <laughs> it and focusing on it. i'm not surprised whatsoever we, we were chatting about that in spoilers <laughs> it's like it's 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 good that you're paying attention because you're like, someone told me that we should write this off. So clearly it's the most important thing in the book. It wasn't just that. It's just that like, it's so obvious that this is a great application of the cadmium burning. Right. right? Yeah. I think, I think the closest I got was like either you, I said something about slowing down your enemy to allow allies to arrive or something like that. I'm pretty sure. You, you pretty got it right. It. So many times, like I had to sit on my hands to stay off the push the talk button so that I wouldn't be like, well, since you mention it. But the key point here, though, is that Wax had to kill all the dudes so he'd be alone and forget the first roll of Roths. Like, clearly that had to happen. <laughs> but no, seriously, they had to actually remove like Tarson and stuff. Otherwise, they, yeah, would, yeah. they would see what's happening it's on the more outside. More complicated than I made it out to be, for sure. Yeah. So still, we got the hat. Wax or Wayne doesn't even grab his hat. That was so like, why doesn't he just? He's like, grab my hat for me, Wax. Like, no, oh. you got, it. you should get it. Isn't it right next to where where Miles and Marissa <laughs> right is? There. Like, no, yeah, Wax can get it. Yeah, Wax can get it exactly. He's such a bad Indiana Jones. <laughs> uh, okay, Wax has to get it because Wax is the one who left it in the first place. True. <laughs> Take that. Because it's like poetry. It rhymes. Wax grabs the hack. Perfect. I mean, that's that's the bullet point for when he shot his own bullet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Wax just I, loaded I, up FTL. Not like, I'm not I'm not that like it's it's supposed to be fantastical. I'm not really too worried about that whole ricochet shot. No, 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 no. Let, let, let's talk about it for a moment here. He shoots out of the bullet. And then it's going very slow. So you can sort of deduce exactly that you can deduce the trajectory of the bullet by observing it because it is going fast. Like just like the explosion (laughs) is slowly moving. The bullet is slowly moving and you can sort of deduce, okay, it will be here the moment I fire my shot. So I I can see how it's possible. Wax understanding of geometry isn't the hard part to believe. The hard part is like, as soon as Wayne puts the bubble down, Wax has to fire and then steel push on that bullet so that it catches up to the first bullet. That's yeah. the part that's a little wacky. The the timing, but it also demonstrates how well in sync those two guys are. Like they've been working together for years. They they are good at this thing. That yeah. they do. I mean, yeah. it, it is a little like it is a little wacky, but it it's, it's a free you know, perfect it's, trick. It's consistent with with the tone of the book, and I, I liked it. It's, yeah, it's I, I can I can settle like this. Sense. Go on. Uh, as you called them several episodes ago, uh, Bruce Wax and the Boy Wanger. He's a comic book <laughs> character. He's a superhero. This is yeah. exactly the kind of stuff that you would expect from Green Arrow, from Hawkeye. You know, they're not using guns because nobody in comics uses guns. But 
Point being, this what is this Punisher? is exactly the Punisher doesn't count. Deadpool. Deadpool doesn't do trick shots. He just eats bullets and then heals. Like Deadpool using guns isn't that he's good at it. Deadpool using guns is that he kills people. Fair point. Carry on. So you're just defining as it was put in our Discord chat the rule of cool. Yeah, like he can do this because he's a superhero. Yeah, that's that's fine. I I accept that things like this are going to happen in this type of book. It's fine. So, on to chapter the next one. Sure. The epilogue. Nope. Chapter twenty. <laughs> Uh, Mawaxi is not viable. Wax is promoted to honorary vigilante. Logic doesn't work on Wayne. Wayne puts two and 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 two two together and gets four pickles. Morning sandwiches. Those are called egg wickwuffins. I couldn't say what I originally wrote here, uh, but egg wickwuffins are DRM free. So I went with that. And finally, rescuing Steris from the Vanishers is worth a boatload of relationship XP. <laughs> uh, it's true. Uh, so we, we basically, we have the debriefing of Wax and Wayne and Steris and Marasi. Uh, Marasi makes one final googly eyes at Wax, and Wax is like, I know what you're thinking, and it's not a good idea. And Marasi's like, oh, aha, uh-huh, eh. Don't be silly. I wasn't thinking that. But yeah, both of them obviously want it. But uh, Wax decides that it's uh, not the right course of action. And logic doesn't work on Wayne. I don't think we need to go more into that. And Wayne uh, definitely is trying to get one of these Eggwick Wuffins off of the the constables here in the station. He loves getting him some... Some food, not free food. He he does give a fair trade for it, I'm sure. Well, and finally, to give it to him, then you know you'll take it. Then yeah, he's just a friendly guy, and I like the part that Wax is like. Does Wayne actually realize what he's doing, or is it just so natural to him to be so becoming and influential to people? And then uh, finally, uh, we have Steris, and she's like. You know, that daring rescue means that we can go forward with our plans and we don't have to fake the, like, two weeks of dating and we can get married pretty sooner. What do you think of that? And Waxillium is just like, yeah, let's stick with the plan. And that's the end of book proper. And most importantly, Steris is willing to accept his hobby. And Steris, yeah, that's true. Uh, so I'm pretty sure Steris is, uh, is actually more attracted to Wayne or Wax. Probably Wayne also. I mean, <laughs> who could deny that? <laughs> uh, Steris is more attracted to Wax than she was, uh, you know, when they made the initial deal, right? So, so what you're saying is the thing she said is sort of true, though. The, the things oh, how yeah, she was the saying. Real, the boatload? Yeah, decided. absolutely. The boatload is, is there. But in in reality, she also feels more affection to him because, you know. Yeah. So cool. He threw a guy with a gun out the window into the river. It's pretty cool. He, he threw her onto the roof. That was cool, too. I mean, she got to see him in full action hero mode, so. Although the funny thing is that Marasi is like a lawyer, right? She's learning to be one. So she's like the lawyer girlfriend of Batman, except okay. she has an older sister that's engaged to Batman. Man, She-Hulk. Got it. (laughs) And I just want to say that uh, the potential relationship between Wax and Marasi 
and the age difference there definitely taken after the original Breeze Ladrian there. That's true. That the answer, you know, it didn't matter then either. They're like, you know what? I'm okay with this. Although Breeze tried really hard not to. Well, a lot of the reason that Wax is resistant to Marasi is just that not so much the physical age, but the emotional age, right? That Wax has been through so much that he doesn't want to bring all of his scars and emotional trauma into the relationship with Marasi. Like, he wants to preserve her from that. Uh, However, Marasi, from her own perspective, has emotionally matured a lot over the last couple days through all this all these harrowing experiences, right? So, um, you know, Wax's objection is uh, is a little less valid than he's making it out to be, perhaps. Well, it's not just that. It's also the fact that she sort of reminds him of Lessie. Yeah, that's true, too. All right, I've got two things for the end of this chapter. Uh, the first is that Wax wondering if Wayne knows how how much people like him. And we know that he does, because we got to see it from his perspective and how hard he works at it. The other thing is that we get a return of a beloved character, and I'm going to pass it over to Craig to tell you about it. Wait, wait, we are? Yeah. (laughs) You want me to tell him the thing? I would like you to tell him the thing. Okay. Uh, There's another character in in this chapter that that you're familiar with, that you have seen. Is it Reddit? No, it's not Reddit. It's... It's a character who's not from this. Okay, let me let me let me correct myself. There's a cat. Is it like, Hoyd? Tinsoon is in this chapter. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> saving us, Tori. I, I do. There was a mention guess. about. So is it the like the constable general who like seems different from the right. last time Wax saw him? Everyone is. I was like, how different that he did is. pop out to me. I was like, when he's like, oh, this guy is acting a lot different than he used to, and I'm like. Is this a Chandra? But I didn't actually stop to consider that it might be ten soon. It's not just um, a Chandra; it's, it's the Chandra. It is the Chandra. That's wow. from a word of Brandon, though. That's not like you okay. should know. That That's really cool. Thing. Like it did. It did seem very Chandra-y the way that he was talking about the old Constable General, and it really, it didn't really. Um, I'll, I'll mention it in the epilogue, but it. I didn't really. I wasn't looking like my. My Tensoon goggles weren't on in this chapter, but my Conjure goggles were. And I was like, this seems Conjure-y. And that's so, all I got. Yeah, so definitely always try to keep an eye out when people point out something's weird. The thing with Conjure, though, is that they should not stand out. Like, that's their whole point. They're very good at what they do. Um, the reason it's noticeable now is because Tensoon wasn't able to observe Breton. It's like something happened to... This is from the word of Brandon. Something happened to Breton where he died. So say or uh, Harmony sort of like, Hey, ten soon, you know, why don't you take over his body? So that way we can we can do this smooth transition, get uh wax this whole deputized whatever whatever it's called, the constable. The yeah, the honorary um, vigilante. Right, exactly. Yeah. So this is sort of like let's this is a way for them to handle this. Wafer. So ten soon, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't really know Breton, so he sort of had a guess, and that's why he seems so weird. Oh, but hey, fair. he's gonna go into early retirement soon. How convenient. That's what he said. Um, so, did they just respike Tensoon after the resolution, or what? Or they're like, okay, there's a, we have a we have a good uh, ruin now. Let's respike everybody. Is that they they are able to insert the spikes into the misrace that existed after they all pulled their spikes out? So uh, I, no I believe it's one of the things that Sazed did shortly after 
yeah. um, shortly after harmonizing. Is Basically, you fix the coloss yeah. so they wouldn't be weird, as weird anyway, and they got the uh, the conjure back. Call that to Tar soon. Well, he's fine. He just keeps growing throughout the rest of his life. That's the only weird thing. But at least his skin grows what with him. Life? He did. And well. that's the and <laughs> Wow, what a spoiler. What? Alright. Giant giant um Tarson three years from now when we get to Shadows of Soul. No, oh my they <sighs> reference it Okay, never mind. That's not they a spoiler. Do, they do mention they do mention that Kolos blood continue to grow and they get Yeah, that's all I'm blood. talking about. Tarson okay. dead, yes, I agree. Uh, and one of the broadsheets has uh as the gentleman adventurer story. Um, he's like become the king of a tribe of wild coloss. Yep, and that's one hundred percent actual. There's there's nothing uh, hyperbole. Yeah, hyperbole. What about that? No exaggeration at all. It's true. Uh, frequent exaggeration, but it's not fiction. No, let's, it's certainly let's, in the let's get that. Category. Let's get that a little more straight there. Yeah, frequent But we'll get to that later. At some point, let me actually look when we get to that. I thought we already had that one. Well, it it was in the broadsheet. I'm talking about the the short story. Oh, Allermancer Jack's story. story. Yeah, that's um. Uh, that is after Words of Radiance. Yeah. So like next year, next sometime one. probably. Dave's catching up quick. We're we're starting to we're we're getting near the end of uh the Cosmere. We might need Dave's a new, new readers soon. It's going to be said that he has to read Rhythm of War so slow and he can't just like devour it. I mean, if Brandon keeps writing Stormlight books at the same pace, but they keep getting 10,000 words longer, uh, <laughs> I think we're going to be OK. I don't know that yeah. Tor is going to be able to publish it, but I think we're going to be OK. Honestly, I think that I I enjoy reading just the right amount for this role. Like I, I, I'll read 50 pages a week. That's. Like, I like reading, but I'm not like, oh, let me go and read and read as much as possible every moment I can. So I think that I fit in pretty well with what we're doing here. That's good, because when I'm doing my rereads of this, I can't. It's hard for me to stop. It really is hard. And I'm like, put the book down. I can't. That's why I did that reread when we started Way of Kings. I just continued on because I could not stop. All right. So let's move on to the Apology, uh, where Sherlock meets Moriarty. Hey, that's an old video game company. So, um, did you guys know that the word epilogue is derived from the Greek epi, meaning upon, and log, meaning words? So, literally, these are words upon my book. Uh, I just found out about it when you posted it, and that's pretty neat. Okay. Epilogue. If this book took place over two days, then why did it take so long to read, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Suit. Miles's execution, men of gold and red, bearers of the final metal. Miles runs out of extra mans, and if there's uh, if it's a hundred gold coins per extra man, and he's Miles' hundred lives, then that makes Miles' net worth uh, uh, ten thousand gold coins in Mario term. Someone did the math. <laughs> I, I certainly multiplied two coin? hours of ten. It was very difficult. <laughs> but he still doesn't have enough to retire. According to Polygon slash BDG. Yep. All right. Uh, Breeze being called the counselor of the gods seems really weird for some reason. Wow. Marsh is really bad at dying. 
Wayne is surprised about talking bunnies, but he basically is based on a talking bunny. Ellendale looks ominously like Credit Shaw, LFG Ubers, D and So you have to realize, remember, this takes place in like the 19th century. So Bugs Bunny doesn't exist yet. Bugs Bunny is based on Wayne. <laughs> is based on Wayne. Okay. Uh, Wayne Steve Clearly, right? Rainey, if if we're being accurate here. No, nobody so for that one. No, oh, no sorry. one wanted to get in on my on my good Steamboat Willie reference. I would have preferred Wayner Brothers. I understood the reference. I just didn't know an appropriate response. Same. All right. So tell uh, me about the apology. Uh, so the epilogue is a montage of two scenes. It's Marasi attending the execution of Miles' hundred lives. She so he gets shot. They took away his gold mines or all of the gold mines on him that they could find. They shoot him in the face a couple times. He heals a couple times, but then eventually he runs out of healing and gets shot in the face for the final Empire time. And uh, he he mentions the men of gold and red. And shout outs to Central High School in Philadelphia, whose school colors are crimson and gold. So I guess that's me. I'm, I'm <laughs> a man of gold and red. I'm Apparently. the guy Miles was talking about. Me and all of the alumni of Central High School. Oh and blows the Cosmere wide <laughs> open. Um, and they are the bearers of the final metal, which, as we know, is... What did I... Let me write this down here. The 16th metal, as I've recorded, based on the Ars Arcanum of Final Empire and stuff, is uh Duralamin. That's a sucky metal to be the final of. Um, but that's that's what Miles is all about. So he's he's part of some other kind of like school of thought or philosophy or religion or something that we're probably gonna find out more about later on. And yeah, that's about all we get out of Miles. The other scene is that Breeze tracks down his uncle, presumed to be dead. However, uh we learned that uncle was Mr. Suit. And did I say Breeze? You did. You did. Okay. Well, Breeze, Breeze is Junior, 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 the eighth Junior. Anyways, Wax figures out that uh, one of the backers of the Vanishers was his uncle. It was presumed to be dead, and he confronts him on a train. He was able to track his movements based on notes that Miles took down and wrote in cigar boxes. And he meets him on the train, and he's like. Um, hey, Wonkle, is my sister alive? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm going to kill you. And then he gets kicked off the train, but not before swiping a portfolio or something. Oh, something else happened with in the Marasi scene that I should probably mention. Um, She runs into freaking Marsh, who I thought was dead, and then he wasn't dead, and then I thought he was dead again, and then he still wasn't dead. So, like, this guy. I mean, come on. How many death fakes is Marsh going to give us? You already knew Marsh was around. There's a reason. I mean, oh. they talk about Iron Eyes, but it's just like it's just a a myth, right? It's he's just yeah, the and they and they talk about Iron Eyes as if he is death. Yeah, he's a boogeyman. Um, yep. but I do want to go back and for the whole book wrap up, I'm gonna go back to uh, I'm gonna go back to you know, Hero of Ages and the ending where Vin kills Marsh, but it turns out she stomps on someone's brain and 
we don't it's a different guy or something i don't know but i mean marsh is a steel inquisitor and he basically has uh if she doesn't sever his head or remove the spikes from the main spike in his spinal cord or whatever i guess like he can survive that because those are the rules established for steel inquisitors so and, to use the term terminology that you uh terminology that you used with uh miles hundred lives he's got all the extra mans he, he's got the game genie code in there and he's got <laughs> all the extra mans so so I'll, i'm gonna help you dave um if I recall correctly, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, at the end of Hero of Ages, Vin does not, and it doesn't even say that Vin kills Marsh. She removes, I believe, one of his spikes and is about to remove the other, but then goes, that's when she, like, gets the all the power, I believe. Uh, that's when she starts eating all the mist. Okay. Well, Craig yeah. did my homework for me, so I'm not going to bother looking it up anymore. Well, um, I mean, I might be wrong. I'm, this is going from memory, and you guys know how my memory can be. <laughs> I mean, it is coming from Craig, after all. Yeah, I should probably look it up. Don't copy wow. your homework wow. from Craig, kids. That's harsh. Uh, so, yep. So, Breeze. So, uh, Marsh gives uh, Vin... Oh, gosh. Um, Marasi. Marsh, Marsh gives Marasi a little book. Uh, and we have no idea what it is, but she's allowed to read it. However, she is to deliver it to Wax. And uh, Marsh didn't want to deliver it personally because Wax would probably just shoot him or something. I don't, I don't know. It's kind of cheesy, but anyway, there's a book, and then he got this. He got also, um, he got uh, his uncle's trapper keeper as well, so he knows all of his appointments and people that he's supposed to meet and stuff. Uh, and that's basically it. There's this kind of shot of Elendale and how there's like crystalline spires all over the place. And I was like, oh, it's like visually it's reminiscent of Credit Shaw. So, uh, yeah, we're going to make a raid on Upper Black Rock Spire, Leroy Jenkins and all that. And that's the epilogue for you. All right. Uh, I don't have anything unspoilery to add to this one. Well, so what do you think, Dave? Of the, I know we're going to have our general... Uh, episode but are you satisfied by the ending the... um there, there wasn't as much secret stuff as i was hoping honestly that i feel like the the story was pretty straightforward to the end the only kind of like the only kind of like gotcha at the end was just i mean marsh being there was really cool i, I liked that and you know the fact that uh, uncle ladrian turned out to be mr suit i was like ah that's cute but you know there wasn't like a oh we're actually getting these people for hem allergy or like oh um i was i was hoping for mr mr harms to be like a bad guy or something there wasn't as much I, I wasn't really blown away like it was enjoyable sure i liked the action a lot but i wasn't like there wasn't really anything that caught me off guard in this book and so, i've come to expect that sort of thing so to put it in perspective for you originally this book was just going to be a standalone it was going to be like a little here's a little midway point between as as we talked about before with mistborn we have this fantasy series there's going to be one that takes place in like 1980s type technology um so like a cyberpunky type well no that so would be the other back to the future movie the other yeah exactly <laughs> uh, so th there was going to be one of those and he decided he wanted to he wanted to write this story but then while he's in the process of writing it, he realizes he has more of a story he wants to tell. So this sort oh, yeah. of the characters are great. I, I would love to read the other two books just to get more from Wax and Wayne and Marassi and Steris. Well, so, I've got good news for you. 
<laughs> we'll, we'll do it eventually. <laughs> so this this was written. It ended up becoming like a prologue, if you will, for the Mistborn Era Two trilogy. So. So this is like the Ender's Game of Mistborn 2. It's like, this is really just setting up the characters for the story that Brandon really wants to tell. Yes. And that's why there's little hooks here in the epilogue to sort of like, you know, get you ready for what's to come, let's say. Okay. Um, I guess the only thing that I really wanted to add uh, as a side note to this week's chapters are I finished the book and... I've not yet read the Ars Arcanum. I'm going to read that in preparation of the wrap-up. And last week, I promised that I would have a guess on what the ninth and 10th medals were that replaced ATM and ATM, right? Sure. Uh, and my guess is that ATM is the actual ninth Alimantic medal is going to be Mercury. And I like this for a number of reasons. First of all, it's named after like the messenger god, right? So it, it kind of makes sense. And I'm I'm going under the assumption that Mercury has the same function that ATM did in Alamancy and for Rukimi, it may or may not, but like it it does make sense um as far as for, for both Alamancy and for Rukimi actually. So like in Alamancy, it makes your your mind faster, right? So like that's that's kind of Mercury y. And then also there's like an ore called Cinnabar, which people at one time believed to extend your life. So that handles the Farukami side of ATM or Mercury, right? Um, the alloy would be, I guess they would probably just call it amalgam, which is just, it's really just a general term for any alloy of Mercury, of which there are plenty. And I also think that Mercury would be a really interesting metal uh, because it's, it would be the only alimantic metal that uh, exists naturally in a liquid form. So it it would be hard, like, well, ferrochemically, it would be like, it would be hard. You'd have to just have like a pool of mercury and swim in it to store your age or whatever. And then somehow be able to draw that, right? So so that would, so like, ATM was super duper powerful, right? But having it in liquid form would kind of, balance out the benefits of it a little bit oh not to mention mercury is also highly toxic so if you consume mercury you would have to pretty much probably burn it immediately or else get get really sick off of it even like touching mercury might have uh some some negative side effects uh not like minor exposure to mercury doesn't according to wikipedia don't don't go swimming in mercury kids uh legal disclaimer don't go swimming on mercury either it might be a little hot up there uh but anyway actual physical contact with mercury it could get into your skin and enter your bloodstream that way but typically wouldn't be that harmful but to the point where you're trying to store your age and make mercury mines it might actually be kind of harmful um so yeah i think mercury would be really interesting mercury and amalgam for atm and melatium and um, I'm sticking with Melatium mines ferrochemically being the charisma storage uh, because I'm imagining uh, that the not Mer- amalgam mine amalgam mines being charisma storage. So I'm imagining um, Captain What's His Face. He had that that terrorist servant that was able to befriend the foreigners, like the headhunters, and he probably had some charisma stored up in his amalgam mines. 
And fun fun fact, they use amalgam as dental fillings. So maybe like Terry Servant actually has his amalgam mines in his teeth, and that's where he stored his charisma to befriend the islanders. So I mean, that's yeah, like just, a good place to store a metal, just stored in fillings for your teeth. Yeah. And it's always there. <laughs> but when you're filling it, man, do people hate you. <laughs> charisma. Oh, All right. Uh, I think we need to go to spoiler time immediately to talk about what you just said. <laughs> All right, then. So we'll do a full recap, and I will have read the Ars Arcanum and have like fully fleshed out ideas about Farukimi and um, Alamancy for all 16 medals for next week. So uh, I guess that'll be it for me. Thank you very much. I will see you guys next week. Bye, Dave. Bye, Dave. Dave is gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. Okay. So charisma mind, uh, pretty 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 close to connection, I would say, for someone who doesn't know yeah, about connection yeah, yet. Fair. That is fair. And also, it it for sure is the the method that Handelwim used to befriend the the Coloss. So yeah. So just as a reminder for Farukami, uh, the one that stores connection is Duralumin. Duralumin. You were so close this time. I would. I know. I'm like. I'm just gonna say it. It's gonna spit it out. It's gonna be perfect. And it's like it's a stumble. One of these yeah. days you'll get it, and we'll just end the podcast. That'll be it. That'll be. That'll be. We'll be done. Speed so run. that is the one that stores connection, and then aluminum is the one that stores identity. And then it's like brass for warmth. I think brass is warmth. Yes. So you those, remember those are something. those are the two that what's his face had on him. Right, because you oh. need connection. Uh, and identity in order to activate a non-keyed metal mine. And the the third thing it has is the property you need, which is warmth. No, it's uh, identity is, is the, the common thread. Like, it just has to be an identity-free metal mind. Oh, oh, yeah, he has one that is connection, so he you can speak the language. He has a different because, one that does warmth. That's correct. Yeah, you can only they, do two. they haven't figured out how to how to do more than two metals braided in a way that works ferrochemically. Yeah, that's that's right. Okay, um, so what do you want to talk about? Um, Aside from Rhythm of War. Yeah, let's let's hold off on that for now. Uh, so let's talk about what Miles said before he died. Uh, so first off, it sounds similar to Death Rattles. I know it isn't, because <laughs> I know the source of that, and that's not here. But it sounded pretty similar. Uh, right. So the, the people of Red and Gold, uh, I'm pretty sure he's talking about the Southern Scadrians, right? Is, is think that so? I guess because of their mass that you can yeah. infer that. Yeah. Uh, and then the they bear the final medal at metal, which at is metal. which is the the now only local god medal. Right. Which cannot be alimantically burned because when it touches water, it explodes. Yep. Which I was I was kind of hoping Dave would come up with like potassium as a as an alimantic metal that nobody can use, but. He'll get there. So, so Talonel in our spoiler discussion points out that he was thinking red and gold had something to do with the followers of Trell. And we know that Miles is following this Trellium who 
we suspect is autonomy based on the descriptions that have been given to us or one um, of autonomy's avatars sure wait wait wasn't red and gold light songs colors yes 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 they are there's some weird connection there connect lowercase c connection with uh red and gold which is light songs colors the fact that it seems like the death rattle that he gives off when he just spouts this spiritual line. So, so yeah, I, I think I we're like going to need the coming. lost metal to to finally close the book on on whatever the heck Miles was for sure talking about there. Um, Dave just posted in Dave theories chromium. <laughs> I think he found the metals he was missing. I think he intentionally forgot when we already told him about this several months yep. ago. Yep. Uh, so, so yeah, what else, what else do we have that is interesting for this book? Yeah, for this book, um, I, well, you already discussed how that was Tensoon, that was in Britain, Britain spot, and you, you can get references, you at least know something's going on, and typically when someone mentions someone's acting odd, if they know the person, you have to think Conjure, if they don't know the person, you have to think World Hopper. So the fact that we've seen Breton before and we, we've seen how he acted back then and we can compare that to now, that should scream Condra to people paying attention. Um, and it just happens to be word of Brandon. Someone asked him about it. And he's like, yeah, it's Tensoon. Tensoon's like the best Condra that says it probably has access to. So why not use him? Also, probably the most loyal. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, that's Tensoon right there. We get a little bit of a cameo here. Um, Oh, yeah, and we should point out that modern-day Chandra aren't necessarily uh, very good at impostering because they haven't had to do it for 300 years. They're, they're right, just they're people. Necessarily, uh, their, their task before was to be spies, to spies for pr- preservation, to, to seem like they're on ruined side when they're really not. Um, but also they acted as spies in general for people. But yeah, they don't have to do that now. They're just the faceless immortals, which are the servants of harmony that don't necessarily have to do anything. Find followers of the path and give them, give them an earring. And yeah. And from what we've been told, there are Chandras that are world hoppers. So they're doing other things for harmony aside from being spies. Um, so in chapter 20, we do get a little bit of a, a interaction with Steris. Like we actually didn't, didn't see very much of her in this book because she is sort of like the damsel in distress. So, but one thing we get is if you're if you're looking for it, she really, really, really enjoyed flying. <laughs> oh yeah, she does. Oh man, that's that's the thing I love about her though. When you get a better comparison later on, uh, I believe it's in Shadows of Self where uh, Wax does the same thing with Marissi. She he like they catapult over the city to go to whatever city that they're in. I forget where they go. Um, but he does the same thing and she 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 hates it. Like she can't deal with this. He does this with Steris and she likes it. Likes. So that, that's a nice touch. All right. Do we have anything else or should we get to the Rhythm of War chapter? Uh, I had Let's something. Get to the Rhythm of War chapter. I had something. Um, we do get to see Mr. Suit. Uh, and of course, we get the confirmation that that Wax's sister is also still alive. But of course, they are they are up to something uh, specifically. The book that we don't get any information about that is given to Marissi from Marsh talks about Hemalurgy. I believe that's the book written by by Spook, right? Yeah. And and it talks about Hemalurgy. So 
I know Dave mentioned that he was sort of disappointed we weren't going to get into it. We are. We, we They're going to talk about Hemalurgy in the next book. It's just sort of like this was setting right. up for that. So my understanding of the set's plan, and feel free to correct me or let me be wrong as shown in The Lost Metal, um, <laughs> is they were kidnapping people uh, for hemallergic purposes, not yeah. to breed a, a, a misting or mistborn or whatever. That was a dumb plan. They were capturing people for, for hemallergy. They stopped that when they encountered the Southern Scadrians and found superior technology that they could start uh, making use of. Like, they mm -hmm. immediately dropped that plan and then shifted to, oh, let's make airships, because apparently that's a thing that we can do. I mean, I agree that there was definitely a pivot there, but I do think they're trying to do some long-term planning. I think they are trying to breed a Mistborn. Or at least they're trying to breed certain powers that maybe are more difficult to, to get access to in terms of allomancy. But I'm not 100% certain. And the fact that they're only capturing women means they are supplying the men of that genetic component. Or it means that they're following a cover story. Um... And then they're stealing powers. But they didn't always capture people. Like Starris, for example, doesn't have any allomantic powers. So you're not going to be able to get anything out of her from Hemalurgy. Right. Well, okay. They're not going to hit 100%. Yeah, we know it. Okay. They're not going to hit 100% because a lot of people don't make obvious that they have allomantic powers. Okay. So, yeah, it's... They're just, like, best guessing this, and if it doesn't work out and they've stabbed someone through the heart to charge a spike and it doesn't actually come with any allomantic powers, darn it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so anyway, Rhythm of War? Right. I just want to point out real quick that the set is up to something long-term. We know that. Rhythm of War? Yes! All right, so if those of you are not interested in Rhythm of War... Uh, because we are reading the chapters as they're released by tour, one chapter per week at this point, uh, in anticipation of Rhythm War being released. So if you're not interested in that, we bid you goodbye. So yeah, this would be this would be a good place to include a second spoiler warning, but I don't think I'm going to do that. Uh, Double spoiler time. So <laughs> we get a little bit more into the mechanics of uh, Fabrials, and we find yes. out what two specific metals... Uh, do when they're used as the cage uh, that are that is zinc and brass which are the emotional allomancy metals uh, uh, i had something to say about this so zinc increases the 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 power of whatever whatever type of spread you have in there and brass decreases it so go yep. ahead craig okay so uh zinc and brass in terms of allomancy it's very very similar zinc rioters they're the ones who take a particular motion and increase it ride it up whereas brass soothes dampens certain emotions uh these if you are looking at like dave's table or the one from ars Acanum, zinc is a pulling metal whereas brass is a pushing metal and you can see in navani's description here very very similar with how zinc is increasing whatever the 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 sprint does and brass decreases i was thinking about this though this actually makes a lot of sense if you think about what sprint are sprint are cognitive entities that exist 
based on certain emotions and thoughts. I would assume that this would that zinc and brass would work better on the emotion based spren rather than the uh, sort of naturally occurring spren like wind wind spren, flame spren, etc. Right. So so if you have you know what is it like anticipation spren or something, this seems Anger like this spren. would work. Any spren? Anger spren. Oh, anger spren. Right. Um, but I think because of what spren are, the fact that they're cognitive entities, um, it makes sense that these two metals, which tend to work their mental metals in terms of allomancy, it actually makes a lot of sense that these would be the ones that would inflame or dampen a spren. Because it, it, it says in the allomantic table, inflames emotions and dampens emotions. But what if we change the emotions to cognitive thoughts instead of emotions? Because that's sort of what emotions are. Inflame. Human personifications of emotions. Yeah, I think it still yeah. works. Yeah, so there's, there's a connection here. I think it's deliberate that zinc and brass were, were chosen. Very deliberate. All right, uh, so moving on. Vale uh, gets to meet up with Ile finally. And they have a nice little chat, and Ile assumes that Vale knows some stuff that she doesn't know, and so a lot of what she says is all cryptic and mysterious. As you do. And some stuff happens. You wanna you wanna fill us in there, Craig? I didn't oh my God. I didn't make bullet points again. That's okay. This is a dense section of the chapter, because th- there's a lot of like back and forth wordplay going on. Um and and we sort of get the impression that the ghost bloods in particular, are up to something bigger than what it seems. So, as you mentioned, Elay and Vale are are having a chat, but Elay is pretty clear that that uh, Vale's here to kill her, right? Um, so, because of all the wordplay, and th- this is actually interesting, uh, we get this this notion that Shalon, like we, she has her three different identities here: Vale, Radiant, and Shalon. Um, but apparently, they also make decisions together. Which so they sort of have like this whole voting thing where two of the three have to decide to go forward with some sort of plan. This is talking about like a big action or thought that Shalon and her her or her identities have for them to act on it. At least two of the three have to be in agreement. So that's that's interesting that we get that. Uh, um, so you, my turn for a minute. Shoot. Yeah. I know you want to talk more, but you're not gonna. You're gonna zip it. I, I agreed. Go. Uh, so this shows, uh, in my opinion, a as I've said before, like a huge step forward uh, for Shallan's mental health in this book over Oathbringer. Uh, so all three yep. personas are communicating with each other regularly. They are swapping out control as situations demand. They have come to an agreement that any sort of big decisions have to be approved by at least two out of the three. And, like, all of this are just huge steps forward for her mental health. Like, eventually, once she hits fifth ideal, I think she's going to, you know, just be one persona with with different aspects. But we're not there yet, but we're getting way closer. Um, the only thing I'll add to that is that I'm not sure this is a Lightweaver thing so much as this is a Shalon thing. Right. Uh, she She does mention... Uh, several of her squires, and that several of them have actually taken on cryptics of their own that don't seem to have this particular issue. Right. Although we're not going to know unless we get a point of view from them. Well, Shallan knows what to look for and presumably has been looking for it. Mm, um, true. So I think we would have heard about it, but we, we haven't. So yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So, um, so Eli and Vale are are sort of having this weird roundabout chat where Vale's trying to stay in character, claiming that she's going to be subservient to Eli. Whereas Eli's like, this, this is sort of what's actually like, she knows what's happening. Um, she states out loud that her intention is not to become queen of the Lethe so much as to raise, uh, what's his name? Gavinor, I think. Gavinor. She wants to be Gavinor's regent, which technically is what Yasna is. Right. As, as, as he should be the rightful king. Um, and of course, she thinks Dalinar and, well, Yasna, by extension, is our usurpers taking control of something that they shouldn't. Except that um, Yasna is the queen regent and is prepared to step down once Gavinor gets up to age. So, yeah, I at least that's what was said. I don't, I don't see how how she really has a leg to stand on from an outsider's perspective. But really, it's all about uh, power. So, I guess right, it doesn't matter that she doesn't have like a logical leg to stand on. Uh, yeah, so someone asked in my chat, uh, Yasna was made the regent. Um, this was at the very end of Oathbringer, since, you know, Al- Alucar was killed, and Yasna steps forward as the new current queen of the Alethi. Yep, that, um, was, that was like right at the very, very, very end of Oathbringer. Uh, I get not remembering it, because Oathbringer had like 12 endings. <laughs> It was like she walked into a a room or a conference and that's sort of like, and it's Yasna and that's it. Like, that's that's when it ends. So we don't even get to see anything. No, it was like, I think it was Dalinar talking about, but we need someone to rule. And then they're like, Yasna walks in and they look at her and they're like, hmm. And then the next scene is literally her walking out with a crown on her head and being all <laughs> self-satisfied about it, as you do. Um, then... Elay start talking about wines. Like they go over to the like wine cabinet or wherever it is, and and they're doing this weird. She's doing this whole weird talk about different wines and what it means. And then that's when we get Shalon's identity coming yeah. forward because they're doing wordplay yeah. here. Vale's like, if there's going to be wordplay, I'm out. <laughs> I ain't dealing with this. Shalon, get in here. So we we tap Shalon in and, and gets rid of Vale. Um, and and they're talking about. Uh, hold on. So. Of course, it's like, is this poison? And it's like, why Why should she be worried that it's poison? Because it's like, people might be trying to poison her. Um, Eli, that is. Poisoning Eli, that is. Uh, but we get, uh, is this where where it's mentioned? Should I, do, do I even want to discuss the wine? It sounds like they're talking about Dalinar and Yasna being rotten and Gavinar, Gavinor being the true noble vintage of, of the Alethi. Like, that's sort of what I got out of it. I could be way wrong. What do you guys think? That's almost certainly what Ile is trying to trying to put forward. But again, she doesn't actually have a logical leg to stand on here. It's it's ultimately all about power. I'm not sure yeah. any of the any of the illusions she's making actually matter. Uh, however, the mystery stuff that we're not meant to understand yet. That's the interesting bits. Right. So Eli mentions that, uh, what's his face? It begins with a T. And what, one, of, one of the, the princes. Thanadol? Like, yeah. Th- Thanadol was killed by, it turns out, one of the ghost bloods. Because that's, Eli thinks that Shalon is a ghost blood, which she is. But, but it was the ghost bloods that sent her 
to go kill Eli. Like that's that's her interpretation of what's actually happening now. That this has nothing to do with Dalinar. That this oh, is and, just the ghost plot. And also throughout this exchange, Shalon is still disguised as the uh, the the merchant lady. Yeah, we have no indication that Eli knows that this is Shalon. Um, right. Only that Eli thinks that merchant lady is actually with the ghost bloods. Right. Exactly. Uh, so Shalon is also during all of this summoning pattern, and then right before he actually shows up as a sword, dismissing him to give him sort of radar of what direction she's in to lead Adeline and his people. Right. Which is interesting that you can like partially summon one of your one one of the, your shard blades because they don't have the the whole ten second restriction. So it's sort of like she has to slowly try to pull him, and then not quite. Um, so yeah, so that's sort of a, a radar type thing. But but Elay claims that the Ghost Bloods killed Thanandal. They also hunted uh, Vama, who's another High Prince who also stuck around on the Shattered Plains. So so our characters thought that Elay was the one who killed them or chased them off, and Elay's yep. claiming the Ghost Bloods were the ones who did that. Yeah, we got those last chapter. Uh, yep. Except we thought that Vama was or Vama, sorry, was. Uh, like had just escaped, but apparently, according to this one, Ela is pretty sure she, pretty sure he's dead. And Shalani even mentions like you were the one who killed Thanadol, and of course, Ela's like, oh, is that what they told you, huh? So they just they lie to their own. So clearly, there's more going on than than we knew. I mean, we already knew that the Ghostbloods were up to something. They're way, way too suspicious. They just happen to have the same sort of uh goals that Shalan had at the time. So they didn't. They weren't always like. They're suspicious, but they're okay because they don't seem to be working against Dalinar and Team Radiant. At least that's what it seems like on the surface. All right. But so if that ever changes, it's going to be interesting. I have a line that I think is the most important one in this chapter, and yeah. it is, Once I'm dead, ELA hissed, don't let them search my rooms before you do. Look for the rarest vintage. It is dot 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 exotic. That one. That is the line that matters here. So, you know what my interpretation of that was? That there's stuff hidden in the wine bottles? No, although maybe. My interpretation is the exotic is not from Roshar. Whatever it is, maybe it's something we've seen in the in the most recent uh, prologue chapter of this book. I, I, I think that's what it is. That, that whatever that thing is that, that uh, Gavilar had that allowed the connection to go between what Breeze and here, I believe it's Breeze. His connection Fabrial box? Yes, I think that's what it is. That is certainly exotic. All right. Um, yeah, there's there's another important thing that happens later in the chapter in the Kaladin, or Kaladin section, but here in the Shallan section, I think this is this is the important bit. And then we yeah. have we have plot moving forward, but I think we just got the important bit. Right, so Adeline and crew show up because, like you said, uh, Shalon was sort of telling them where they were. And rather than killing her, they decide to capture her and, you know, escort her out so that way they can question her. And even though her intention, uh, Shalon's intention was to kill Eli because of all the difficulty she's having, vale. she's like, maybe... What? Vale's intention was to do that. Shalon and Radiant weren't on board. Okay, sure. Um, maybe they can get some more information out of her. But instead... She kills herself. 
with black bean or something. She probably ingested or it from one of the I'm pretty sure she did, but clearly she knows something about the Sons of Honor, and she's sort of wondering why. Uh, the problem is, Eli, I don't think had all the information that like Gavilar was using the Sons of Honor right to forward whatever goal he had in mind. Um, so Eli thinks that the Sons of Honor, like their intention, was to bring back the Heralds, bring back the Knights Radiant bring back the Herald. So on the surface, that's what the Sons of Honor were for. Gavilar was using them for something more. But at this point in time, Elay is like, well, what are we a threat? Like this, this is what happened. The, the Heralds are back. They're at least known. Um, and the Knights Radiant are, have returned. Like this is all the Sons of Honor were trying to achieve. But clearly the Ghostbloods, they want something. Like, I feel like this whole book is going to be focusing more on Ghostbloods. Well, partially. There's a lot that's going to happen in this book. But I think we're going to find out more about the ghost bloods in this book. Um, so I think that's all for this section. I know I skipped a bunch. There's a lot of back and forth. Uh, I think that pretty much covers what happened. Uh, it in, isn't in the, Adeline sh- in the also, first Shalon section. We'll check back in with her before we're done. Yeah, Adeline also checks on Shalon. Like when they first talk to each other, Adeline's like, which one are you? So clearly he knows she has three different identities. That's it's going to be interesting to deal with all right so kaladin section so kaladin goes off to save the day as you do uh there's the weird lightning fused and he's attacking civilians so kaladin's you know he's swooping in to save the day but the interesting thing is that he walks into a trap they're in some kind of what building tent probably a building um they have something that's like a fabriol that's powered by void light which sucks up or at least inhibits the use of stormlight uh it yeah it blocks their their use of surges and they can't use stormlight to heal they still have the stormlight the stormlight hasn't gone anywhere they just can't use it yeah so it it blocks the use of it because like you said it doesn't go away um they had captured an edge dancer uh go godeki the edge dancer so they had him up as a as a hostage and Kaladin, of course, loses the ability. And of course, they think, oh, you know, we just stopped the Knight Radiant from using his powers. He, he's easy pickings now. They did not in, in, inspect Kaladin. I mean, they knew it was Kaladin, yeah. but they have no idea. They how didn't well count it. on Kaladin Stormblessed being born with a spear in his hands. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Oh, sorry, I just had to throw that in there. Uh, so, yeah, so Kaladin's really good at using a spear. So he's able to take down the uh, the singers and the fuse just using his own natural military prowess or martial prowess. Prowess, I'm sorry. Years and years of training plus a ton of natural ability makes so up for he, lack of stormlight. He takes down the the lightning fuse, so he does quote unquote kill him. Um, and then uh, Lift also is here. Lift pops up because she's got to take care of her fellow edge dancers. So they're able to deactivate the Fabriol, take it, because this would be great for Navani to take a look at what it might be or do. And also, of course, rescue at least the the edge dancer that was there. And was there another civilian there? I think there was. Was it just the edge dancer that was there? Uh, we find out at the end of this section that Roshone uh, is was in also. danger. Yes. So that's that's where we end this section with Kaladin. And um, that Kaladin is going to go and try to save him. Yep. So... Here we get a brand new test of Kaladin's O's, but I feel like he's pretty solid in, in what he's doing, so it won't be that big of an issue. I mean, if 
he even thinks the the words so long as it is right. So he will protect those as long as it is right. So yeah, he has I, spoken this ideal. I feel like he's arguing with himself about it, though. Like, oh, I don't want to. He's such a jerk. And uh, I have to. Yeah, he, he grumbles, but he does it. Um, so I have a question here, though. As you mentioned before, this this section of the book, it sort of feels like we're, we're seeing the Brandon and uh, Avalanche for an end of a book that we haven't read. Right. Yep. Is Kaladin going to speak the words for the fourth ideal? Do you think that's what this will lead to this section of the book? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because it gives me the chance to remind everybody about a theory that I've had that I've talked about before. Uh, which is that Kaladin will stop progressing as a Knight Radiant. He'll still be a major viewpoint character, and he'll still be the the head of the Windrunners, but he won't get past the Third Oath, because the Fourth Oath involves letting go of people you haven't saved, I'm pretty sure. Yep. And I think we're going to shift to the other Windrunners for that portion of things, for for advancing. Probably Teft as our major as our major character will be the first to hit the fourth oath. Okay, so I will now go directly against your theory. So at least at least we can gamble something so one of us can be right. I think Cowden's going to speak the fourth ideal in this book and I'll go further to say that it's going to happen. So but there's no setup for it to happen soon. I'm just going to say it's going to happen. I'm I'm going to have the I'm going to take the middle of the road. I think he is going to say the fourth ideal. And it's not going to happen early in the book. There. I think we've covered all possibilities. I think Tori's is the most likely. Because, yeah. you know, end of book is when is when new oaths are spoken traditionally. Right. Um, but I, well, I, could, defi- I could definitely see it happening in, in this book. And then, you know, Kaladin learning more stuff throughout the course of this book. As from the perspective of his fourth oath would definitely be a, a way for things to go. I think it could be neat if something like that happens in the beginning of the book, because like you said, there's always this expectation that it's going to happen near the end of the book, because that's what happened in the first two books. So maybe we're going to have something like that happen early on. Maybe not necessarily Kaladin's ideal, but we should get something like it if this is supposed to be the climax of a book that we haven't read. Okay, so yeah, so they, they get this neat Fabriel. And I remember you asking, I think it was last week, Mike, you were wondering what a Fabriel with with a Void Sprint does. I think this is one of the things it can do. This is one, yeah. But there's a bunch of different kinds of Void Sprint. There's a there is a there lot are of nine different sprint. unmade that could potentially do different things in a Fabriel. Oh my gosh! There are corrupted Sprint that could do different things in Fabrials. It's there's a whole <laughs> world of possibilities. And keep in mind, each metal does something different to the sprint as well. We only know about zinc and brass currently, but clearly there's more metals we have to work with. Uh, I suspect I, that... Oh, sorry, Tori, go ahead. Uh, I, I just want to say it turned out to not be true, but when Cal walks into the trap and suddenly his powers don't work, I was really worried that somehow their Fabriel had captured Silk. Mm, and that, that right. wasn't what it did. But, you know, we've had all of these uh, lines about how to catch a sprint in a Fabriel. And then oh hey, my look, God. have a Fabriel and and the power. And I was like, oh, no. And, but but then still was like, huh, that's weird. And I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> my, my baby is safe. Tor, uh, Tori, that scares me. I never even 
put that together. But now I'm so scared that Syl's going to be captured at some point inside a gemstone. You have put this idea in my head. All right. Well, so... now at least I don't have to be afraid by myself. <laughs> my my thinking was the alarm fabriel from back in uh, Way of Kings in that one Risen interlude where with the with the imbecile wall staring grass. Yeah, I've missed was, I've no, missed an drooling insult. Imbecile. Drooling imbecile yeah. wall staring grass. Thank you, Tori. Uh, that is some form of spren uh, wrapped in tin as the cage would be my guess. Censoring. That's a good guess. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, what's Shallan been doing while Kaladin was uh, was killing people? Uh, that's that's where they find out Elay's dead. Um, she was poisoned. So ricin. I mean, Blackbane. Oh, right. That looks like she t- took poison. That was a type of Blackbane. No, they uh, never even say it. Looks like she took it. They're all like, somebody poisoned her. Yeah. We- we've got to find the like. There, there's some pinprick or something on her body somewhere. Like somebody did this. Like our well, characters don't think she drank it herself. Right. That's the thing. Like apparently, if you ingest blackbane, it's not going to be this instantaneous. So it's like she was she was given a needle of of the poison instead. Where have we seen someone that can hit things from a distance with a needle coated in poison? Help me isn't remember. That, isn't that? <laughs> Isn't that one of the ghost bloods who uh Yeah, creepy mask lady. The creepy mask lady who's probably a southern Skadrian. And it all comes back around. Mm. Yeah, I just can't think of it either. So I wait, guess it'll wait, remain she's a mystery. Exotic and not from Roshar. <laughs> That's the something exotic right there. It will remain a mystery. What's her name? Gosh, creepy mask it. lady. That's her name. Anyway, yeah, let's let's move it on. Oh, Eatil, Eatil, creepy mass lady. Uh, so, so yeah, this this basically pushes forward Shalon's brand new plot of figure out what's up with the ghost bloods and mm-hmm. get them to stop using her and maybe take down the organization, but probably not. We'll see. I I mean, it sure seems like it's going to be not just Shalon's brand new plot. I think well, Adolin, Adolin is her devoted husband, so whatever her plot no, 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 is no, is like... also his plot. I'm thinking it's going to be like a everybody's plot because the ghost bloods are. I mean, if they're that far infiltrated into our our heroes, then I don't know. Um. Yeah. This is this is what I was saying. I think the ghost bloods are gonna play a very important part in this book, and dealing with them is gonna be a lot more difficult than dealing with the Sons of Honor, given the fact that they probably just killed Elay from far away. Uh, Craig, did you read the annotation to this week? I did not. I okay. didn't get a time. Uh, in it, Brandon talks about um, ramping up his villains and, yeah. and like why he is sort of shutting down the Sons of Honor plot here. Uh-huh. Um, basically, like as as our heroes get more powerful, if you keep the same villains that they just defeat over and over again, those villains lose their threat. Yeah. Uh, so... He's moving from like mundane villains to more supernatural ones as as the series progresses. Yeah. So instead of you know He Man fighting Skeletor every week, we're getting more of a Dragon Ball Z. You know, the next alien who wants to destroy Earth and can do it in five minutes, no, two minutes, no, a minute and a half. 
His uh, power yeah. is over 9,000. I mean, that makes so, a lot of sense. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, uh, oh, oh, the Brandon annotations are on Reddit. Uh, yeah. I'd be it in my chat. Um, which, yeah, it makes sense to me because uh, fantasy literature and shonen anime slash manga, like, share a lot of the same tropes. Like, a lot of the same story structure, a lot of the same character progression. Like, if you like the one, there's a good chance you're going to be able to find something in the other group that you will also enjoy, which well, I've, and I've well, said before. Well, you guys, well, while Mike has been reading the annotations that Sanderson provides on Reddit, uh, I have been reading the read-along discussion that gets posted on Tor, uh, Tor.com at the end of the chapter. Um, and so the read-along discussion is basically a couple of... Uh, Brandon's beta readers who work at Tor um, discussing the chapter as they read it. And um, I don't Sounds feel familiar. like I have, yeah, I don't feel like I have anything to add um, from their discussion of this chapter. Uh, I feel like we have covered pretty much the same points. Um, but one thing that we missed um, a couple of chapters ago, they, they talked about Godeki which is the edge dancer um, was actually uh, named after one of Brandon's beta readers who passed away. Uh, so, so he has immortalized this character uh, in, in the form of an edge dancer, um, which, which gives the man some pretty heavy plot armor. So I wasn't afraid for Godeki in this chapter. That's um, uh, very appropriate that he's an edge dancer. No less. Never forget. Right. Um, let me pull up the, I have it open here, um, where he is, somebody described him as, um, let's see, he dealt with massive health problems in a serene and uplifting way with unshakable faith. Even when his disability got in the way of communication, he soldiered on, did his best, enjoyed his friends, and gave what he could to others. So that was what... Um, one of the ladies at tour.com had to say about him in, in the read along discussion. So there you go. In case, in case you didn't know that part. That's nice. I did not know that part. Uh, so, all right. And (laughs) one more thing is, uh, so we've pretty much covered the chapter for the week. Um, but another thing that happened this past week is that they released the cover art, um, for the North American version of the book. Uh, so this is the version um, all of you know, the, the the four of us are going to end up reading. Um, but with the cover art, they released a little description that answers a question that we previously had, or I feel like it does. Um, and I don't have that description in front of me. But on the cover art, you see Shalon um, going through uh, Shadesmar. Adolin is with her. Uh, carrying an ordinary sword because, of course, his shard blade won't work in Shadesmar. Um, But with the description that, again, I'm sorry, I don't have in front of me, it says that they are on their way to the home of the Honor Spren to try to convince the Honor Spren to join their cause. So that's why we don't have enough Honor Spren to um, power all of our Windrunners is because they're being uppity and feeling like they're too honorable to join the party. (laughs) And uh, my personal theory is that somehow Adolin is going to make that connection with Maya that ends up um, restoring her to whatever passes for life among the Spren. And all the Honor Spren are going to be like, oh, 
these people are honorable after all. That's my theory. I like that theory. I like it. That is pretty good. Um, I don't care what the artist has said. The sword that Adolin has is Nightblood. Otherwise, the rainbow pattern underneath it makes no freaking sense. It can't just be the reflection off the the tower that's nearby? Nope. There's a reason it's a rainbow there. I think the author is lying to us to... Could it... it can't be that he borrowed Azure's sword? I was going to say, it can't be Azure's? Uh, I don't think so. We know they have access to Nightblood because they've because of uh, Zeth. We have no idea what, what happened to Azure, where she went, what she did. Is she still on Roshar? Does she matter anymore? Right, but Adolin is like the worst person to carry Nightblood because if he pulls it out at all, he's dead. Oh, no, no. I think he would be a great person to carry Nightblood because the conversations they would have. <laughs> well, that's true for anyone. But, uh, okay, so. Yeah, I don't know. A couple of points on this. One, it's been a year. Presumably, they have had time to study Nightblood so they know what it can do, what it can't do, and what will kill the person holding it, presumably. Two, uh, going into Shadesmar means. No shard blades, unless you have a special robot spren, uh, in which case I can see a case for them borrowing it for the trip. So I've already made my case for this, but the artwork makes the sword not look like... And and this this is the the person who made the Warbreaker cover and the Leatherbound, who drew Nightblood, and that sword that Adolin is carrying does not look like Nightblood. Well, and and to go back to a previous point, um, it would not kill Adolin um, to carry Nightblood around um, because he wouldn't be able to draw the sword. You remember when Vasher was testing Vivenna and he threw the sword at her and was like, draw it just to see what would happen. And she wasn't able to draw it because she was too good. Um, Like she wasn't evil enough. And uh, it just it made her so sick that she wasn't able to expose the blade at all. Right. Adolin, being our perfect angel baby, is totally not going to be able to draw the sword, but he's capable of carrying it around and having delightful conversations with it, and I am 100% on board for that. The the angel baby who killed Sadius with a knife in the eye. He had it coming. Adolin Adolin is a himbo classic. Okay, so to, to point out what Nightblood is doing... It is looking into someone's identity to see how they feel if they have some sort of evil intention, I guess we can say. And there's a chance that Adolin would fail the test because of how he felt he dealt with the whole Sadius situation. So there's a chance Adolin should not be near Nightblood. Let me propose to you a a possible conversation between them. Would you like to destroy some evil today? Yes, but I can't right now. I'm gazing longingly at my wife, Shalon. <laughs> I can see it. All right. I have something else I want to discuss with the chapter before before we go whatever tangent we are going off on. Um, I, I think I after think your thing. Yeah, I think after your yeah, thing, we're, we're done. done with the episode. So do your thing. So uh, we do know that Vat, Vada and her name, Ish, Ishna, are Vata two of... and Ishna, uh, yes. Yeah, they're two of... Um, Shalon's light weavers, or yeah, I think Vata Vati is Vatha V A T H A H Vatha. You're gonna, you just, it's just a thing. We're always gonna correct my pronunciation. So they're two of her light weavers, 
And one of the curses they use is Nails Nuts. How about that? Delightful. <laughs> uh, oh, and Gaz and Red are still around and they're doing things. Um, so we're on a little bit of a cliffhanger because it would be neat to see whatever it is in Elay's chambers, but we're not going to find out until next Shalon chapter. I didn't think I'd say this back in Way of Kings, but I'm excited to check back in with Gaz. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Okay. That's, I think, all I had. All right. Then I think we're going to call it here for the week. Uh, bye, everybody. Good night, bye. Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.